I'm Mark O'Connell, and you're listening to Far-Fetched, a podcast about my largely unpaid but mostly enjoyable career as a writer. The theme of episode 20, that's right, I've made it 20 episodes and I'm shooting for 20 more. The theme of this episode, episode 20 of Far-Fetched, is patience. I'm looking at you, writers. How many of you have a pet project, a manuscript, an outline, a pitch sitting on your desk or filed away in your file cabinet that you you could never interest anyone else into listening to it, or if you did, they passed on it, but you've always hoped that someday you could make something of it, so you never threw it out. You kept it someplace special where you always knew where it would be. Well, I'm here to tell you that sometimes that can pay off, as it seems to be happening with me this week. Let me tell you what happened. A couple episodes ago, I told the story of meeting Majel Barrett Roddenberry, the widow of Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry, at a science fiction convention in Milwaukee back in 1994. And I had the opportunity to have lunch with Ms. Barrett, and it was really fun and really entertaining. And while we were talking, I kind of formed an idea for uh, a media project using her husband's work. And she was interested, so we wrote, uh, we, me and my agent, put together uh, a proposal that we decided to was good enough to send to Ms. Barrett, a proposal for this media project. Nothing came of it at the time, but because I file everything, I filed the proposal. It's about 15 or so pages long. It's pretty detailed and pretty well thought out, I think, and it's a pretty attractive project. Well, it's been in the file cabinet for, well, since 1994. So that means about 28 years, by my figuring. I've kept this proposal in my file cabinet for a long time. Well, what happened was, over the last couple of years, I couldn't help noticing that Star Trek has been coming back in a really big way, one new series after another. First it was Star Trek Discovery, then Star Trek Picard, then Star Trek Lower Decks, then Star Trek Prodigy, and now there's another one coming out later this year. I couldn't help but notice this huge resurgence in interest of Star Trek. So... What I did was, uh, last spring, about six months ago, I contacted uh, my old agent. We're not under contract, but she does work for me on a project-by-project basis, if it's the right kind of project. This just happened to be the right kind of project for her. So I contacted her and said, hey, I don't know if you've noticed, but Star Trek is everywhere, and Gene Roddenberry's name is everywhere. And this might be a really good time to revive that project that I pitched to Majel Barrett 28 years ago. What do you think? So she took a a new look at the proposal. I sent the proposal to her. She gave it a read, and she got back to me and said, heck yeah, let's try to do this. How do you think we should do it? And I said, well, Majel has passed away. Gene has passed away. But uh, their son, Rod Roddenberry, now runs the show. Well, we decided the best approach would be not to send the proposal, but to send a letter to Mr. Roddenberry at his offices and tell him the story of how I met his mom, 
these many, many years ago, and how that meeting turned into this project pitch that his mom had been very enthusiastic about. And so that's what we did. Uh, I wrote a letter, sort of giving the background of how this all happened. A real short letter, one page, got to keep it brief if you want to keep people's attention. So I wrote that about six months ago. Then I went into all this cancer treatment that I've talked about in other episodes. Six months later, meaning just last month, I was feeling well enough to really start engaging again with some of my work projects. And we decided, okay, now's the time to send that letter. So about three weeks ago, my agent, Wendy, sent the letter to Mr. Roddenberry at the Roddenberry Company. It found its way to one of the production executives who really liked the concept and wants to know more. So my agent sent this treatment, again, 28-year-old treatment. It's just been sitting in a file cabinet for 28 years with no prospects of anything happening to it. All of a sudden, something's happening to it. Well, you know, there's no way of telling where this may lead, and it may not lead anywhere, as we know. But it's kind of cool that after 28 years, this project that I had considered dead and buried for a long, long time, suddenly there's a possibility that we can get something going with this. So I'm pretty excited about it. Again, it's a good lesson in patience and a good lesson in Never throwing out your prize projects. Keep those suckers handy because you never know when you're going to get a chance to get them in front of the right person. Now, a few years prior to this fateful lunch meeting with Majel Barrett Roddenberry, I had learned another important lesson in patience. That came about in 1991 when I was first invited to come in and pitch story ideas to the producers of Star Trek The Next Generation. I've talked in other chapters uh, of this podcast about how all that came to be, how I wrote a Star Trek Next Generation spec script. My agent submitted it to the producers. Several months later, we heard back that uh, they liked my script enough that they wanted to hear some more story ideas from me. So that began a long period of my life, about two and a half years, as I recall, when I basically did nothing Aside from my day job, I basically did nothing but come up with new Star Trek stories that I could pitch to the producers. My feeling was, as long as the, I, I wasn't selling anything, and I think a lot of people thought I was absolutely nuts to keep going back and trying again when I kept on getting shot down. But my feeling was, yeah, I'm getting shot down, but after they shoot me down, they invite me to come back again to get shot down again. And I figure as long as they keep inviting me back, I'm going to keep coming back. If they want me to stop, they're going to have to tell me to stop. Well, they never did. They kept inviting me back to pitch new stories. But when I first got that invitation to pitch, here's what I got from the Star Trek The Next Generation front office. This is a document from 1991 about Star Trek The Next Generation's script policies. It'll just take a few minutes to read, but I think you'll find it interesting. Star Trek The Next Generation Submission Guidelines, 1991. Each year, Paramount receives hundreds of speculative script submissions for Star Trek The Next Generation. The document begins, Since the studio only produces a limited number of episodes each season, most script submissions cannot be used. In fact, nearly 99% of all submissions are rejected. For those writers who choose to challenge the odds, <laughs> they're talking to me, the following submission guidelines have been established to make the process flow smoothly. 
Adhering to every rule will not guarantee interest in your script, any more so than violating a given guideline will result in a lack of interest. The most important consideration is the story. Technical details can be resolved later. Uh, now, I know I mentioned in the earlier episode of Farfetched when I was talking about that spec script I submitted for Next Generation called Between Two Darknesses. The script was about twice as long <laughs> as it should have been. So that's one of those details they're talking about here, violating a given guideline. Apparently, it didn't cause them to lose interest. I'm very happy to say. Okay, onward with the document. Now we get into some bullet points. All scripts must be submitted by an agent registered with the Writers Guild of America or accompanied by a Paramount television release form. A release form is enclosed for your convenience. Please be advised the Star Trek offices cannot recommend agents or offer referrals. Paramount policy does not allow us to provide sample scripts. Anyone interested in purchasing Star Trek scripts or writer director's guides can contact, I won't give you the name of the company, but there's a name and address of a company in Los Angeles where you can get a complete catalog for a dollar. In accordance with Paramount policy, scripts submitted without an agent or release form will be returned unread. We cannot accept screenplays for Star Trek feature films. Submissions must include a teaser, three to five pages, and five acts, 10 to 11 pages each. An entire script should be at least 53 pages, but no longer than 58 pages. Please use standard television script format. See sample page below. Scene numbers are not required. And then they give a sample page of a script of a scene with Picard and Geordi having a conversation from the episode Who Watches the Watchers. Back to the bullet points. Submissions must be typed or computer printed. Submissions must be bound on the left margin. The use of three-hole paper with two one-inch brass brads is preferred. Fancy binders and plastic-covered pages are not recommended. On page three, we get to release form requirements. Please read the following instructions very carefully. Use these pages as a checklist before mailing your submission. Star Trek The Next Generation accepts complete spec scripts only. No story ideas, outlines, or treatments, please. It is strongly recommended that all script submissions come from recognized literary agents. In other words, agents registered with the Writers Guild of America. An attorney cannot substitute for an agent unless the attorney is listed with the WGA as a registered literary representative. Obtaining agency representation may be difficult if you are new in the business, but ultimately, it is in your best interest. Let me tell you something. It's difficult even if you're old in the business. Trust me on that one. Back to the bullet points. To obtain a list of agents from the Writers Guild, simply enclose $1 and a self-addressed stamped envelope, in parentheses, S period, A period, S period, E period, along with your request to the Writers Guild of America, West Hollywood, California. It's so charming that back then you could actually slip a dollar bill in an envelope to buy something. We really are living in the future, folks. Back to the bullet points. If you are unable to obtain an agent, you may submit your script directly to Star Trek, no explanations required, provided the script is accompanied by a completed and signed Paramount release form, see attached. Please feel free to make copies of the release form for future use. Script submissions unaccompanied by a Paramount release form from anyone other than a WGA registered agent will be returned unread. 
please address all scripts to Star Trek script coordinator, Kara Paramount Pictures, Hollywood, California, blah, blah, blah. Page four, more bullet points. Please include your name, mailing address with zip code and phone number with area code on the cover of your script. Include a 10 by 13 self-addressed stamped envelope with $2.40 in U.S. postage if you would like your script returned. Return scripts will not include coverage or analysis of any kind. Finally, if you require acknowledgement of your submission, please send your script via certified return receipt mail. The Star Trek offices cannot confirm script submissions by phone. Overnight and express mail deliveries are not necessary, so please save your money. It's so kind of them. Now, page four gets into the submission process. What happens to your script after it arrives in the Star Trek offices? A. First, the script coordinator logs the submission into a computerized script log. Second, the script is sent to a reader. The readers are members of the Star Trek writing staff and professional script readers hired through the Story Analyst Union. The script coordinator does not read submissions. C. The readers prepare coverage of each script, which includes a story synopsis and an analysis of the writing quality. The coverage is then sent to the head Star Trek writer-producer, who decides whether or not the material will be used. Due to the sheer quantity of submissions, 99% of the scripts cannot be used. After a script has been rejected by the producers, it is returned to the writer. The writer will not receive a copy of the coverage since it is considered a confidential internal document for the producer's use only. Likewise, the readers and producers will not be able to provide other comments or feedback. Since the entire turnaround time may be several months, we request your patience. See, there's that word. Please do not call the Star Trek offices asking for an update or status on your submission. When a decision has been made, you will be notified. That last part is underlined. I hope you could tell that. And then we get to page five, which is the release form. There's no need to read that. Page six is more of the release form. Then we get back to business. Storylines. Here's the good stuff. Exciting drama has always been about people. Even with our 24th century high-tech gadgets and spaceships and such, the producers want stories that explore the human condition. Stories that involve emotional, psychological, and personal stakes. Anything that touches on the experience of being human. Look for stories that emphasize our family of characters. The secret of Star Trek has always been in making the audience identify with our crew. When stories feature an exciting guest character... The tale must focus on how the outside characters and events affect our people. Our characters must still drive the show and ultimately learn from the experience. Emphasize science fiction and futuristic sociological stories. Ask yourself, what is the story about? Explore an interpersonal theme and develop the plot to say something meaningful about it. Avoid repetitive story themes whenever possible, such as war stories. Mediating peace stories, time travel stories, stories involving the ship breaking down, stories involving abandoned vessels, stories involving random distress calls, stories involving Vulcans, Romulans, Borg, etc. That's what you're supposed to avoid. Avoid stories that involve expensive production costs, such as excessive guest cast, numerous new sets, shooting locations outside studio, too many opticals. Spaceships, special effects, etc. Finally, the last page, and this may be the best part of this document. It's entitled, 
Stories that don't work. Here we go, more bullet points. Do not write a story which does not principally involve our continuing characters. I think we've already established that. Do not write a story about psi forces or mysterious psychic powers. No matter how fantastic the events in a story, the explanation must be extrapolated from a generally accepted science theory. Do not write a story that casts our characters in the role of galaxy police. Our mission is not that of spreading 20th century Euro-American cultural values through the galaxy. We are not in the business of toppling cultures that we do not approve of. We are not space meddlers. Do not write a story that involves any of the original Star Trek characters, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Uhura, Chekhov, Scotty, or Sulu, or their descendants. Do not write a story based in fantasy instead of science fiction. The difference between the two is profound. Science fiction is based on an extrapolation of a generally accepted scientific fact or theory. Do not write a story of swords and sorcery. Knights and princesses, stalwart yeomen and dragons are not science fiction for our purposes. Don't treat the galaxy as a local neighborhood. Too often, script ideas show characters bouncing from solar system to solar system, planet to planet, without the slightest comprehension of the distances involved or the technologies required to support such travel. Finally, don't write melodrama. Melodrama is a writing style which does not require believable people. Believable people are at the heart of good Star Trek scripts. So, that was my first set of guidelines. If you've been following the podcast, you know I got a lot more because I've read a lot of them in previous episodes. What surprises me about that is that they didn't mention the reason that my spec script got noticed out of all the spec scripts that had been submitted. Um, How did my script get into that 0.1% that actually got a second look and then a third look and then got the writer an invitation to pitch? In my case, my script, Between Two Darknesses, the producers said it was that I nailed the characters' voices. So I always want to emphasize that whenever I'm talking to other writers. Man, the most valuable lesson I ever learned. (laughs) Nail the characters' voices, and you can do no wrong. Now, when I began this podcast 11 months ago, it started out with a very simple idea. I, I became aware of the fact that I had a whole lot of Star Trek pitches, unsold pitches, still in my, in my file cabinets in my office, and thought, there's such a renewed interest in Star Trek right now, it might be kind of fun to do a podcast where all I do is read my unsold Star Trek pitches. And I mentioned that on Twitter and got all sorts of positive responses and, and, and all sorts of positive support for that idea. So I thought, okay, that's what this podcast is going to be about. Unexpectedly, I've now gotten 20 episodes in and I still haven't done my original idea of reading my Star Trek pitches, which I guess means that I had more interesting things to talk about. Uh, I guess you can be the judge of that. But now, after 20 episodes of Far-Fetched, I'm finally going to start presenting some of these unsold Star Trek story pitches, and you can make of them what you will. I have a whole bunch for the next generation. That's where we're going to start. And I'm not entirely sure why, but I have some of these stories are in all sorts of different formats. I have fully fleshed out story treatments. I have beat out lines. And then I have single sentence pitch lines 
Uh, so depending on which piece of paper I pick up, I could be reading something in a completely different format from what I previously read. No explanation for that. That's just the way it all worked out. Uh, apparently there were some stories that I was more excited about and decided to go full boat and write a full treatment. At any rate, the way I would set up these stories is I would set up a pitch meeting with one of the Next Generation producers. And I lived in Wisconsin at the time. And instead of flying to L.A., I did, couldn't really justify the expense of flying to L.A. for a half an hour meeting <laughs> at the Star Trek offices and then have to fly home with my tail between my legs because all of my pitches failed. I couldn't really see doing that, so I always did my pitches over the phone. They limited me to four stories, and they wanted me to keep it brief, like no more than about 10 minutes per story. Mine were generally shorter than 10 minutes, which is, you know, maybe why it took me so long to make a sale. I don't know. But in going through all, all my old documents today, what I found was, I think, what may have been my first or one of my first groups of four story pitches. And what makes this one cool is I actually have the producer's response. So what would happen is I would pitch the story to the producer. That would generally be someone from writing staff. I would read the pitch or recite the pitch, and the producer would generally give me a pretty immediate reaction to it. So here's what I'm going to give you. Four of my initial pitches to Star Trek The Next Generation, along with the reason why the producer rejected the story. Here goes. Story number one. The title of this one was Form Follows Function. And the pitch line, this is about as short a pitch line as you could possibly get. The pitch line is, Data temporarily turns himself into a woman. And the producer's notes are, Well worked out. Good pitch. But then the death blow. We have something similar. I cannot tell you how many times I ran across that obstacle. I would pitch what I thought was just the greatest pitch in the world, and the producer would be like, Oh, yeah, Mark, you really nailed it. Unfortunately, we're already doing a script very similar to that, which just goes to show you it's really hard, really hard to come up with an original idea that no one else has ever come up with. Uh, but at any rate, that was the objection I would come across probably most often is, oh, I liked yours, but we already have one in the works dealing with that same topic. So that was uh, story number one. Story number two, title Vessel. The Starship Enterprise mysteriously comes to life and Captain Picard must convince it to give up this life to save the lives of the crew. The producer's note, pitched before. <laughs> what was I just saying? Somebody has already come up with the idea and pitched it to them. Story number three, Pandemic is the title. Dr. Crusher finds herself a fugitive on a planet where she has become public enemy number one because she's caused an outbreak of a fatal disease. The producer's note, creating a planet is too hard. Well, you know, maybe you're not trying hard enough. I don't know. Fourth story, titled Starry Eyes. Geordi's new romance and a touchy diplomatic mission threaten to disrupt each other. Can you guess why they rejected that? If you're a really good Star Trek fan, you can probably figure it out. The reason they rejected that story was... It's missing a science fiction element. 
I don't know how I missed that. I should have caught that before I pitched the story. The funny thing is, starry eyes, pay attention to the story because it's going to keep coming back. Because one thing I did was, as I moved from pitching to Star Trek The Next Generation to pitching to Star Trek Deep Space Nine to pitching to Star Trek Voyager, I would sometimes trot out unsold ideas from the one show and redo it for the new show and pitch it as an all new story. I didn't do that a whole lot because that's kind of dangerous that, you know, you might end up pitching the same story to the same producer twice and that wouldn't look too good. But as I was saying, Starry Eyes went through several permutations and title changes until it finally became one of the stories I sold to Star Trek, believe it or not. So at any rate, so that was that would have been a typical pitch. Four stories. Obviously, my pitches would be much longer than what I just read to you. And maybe somewhere in this pile, I probably have some of those, and I'll probably re- be reading those, reciting those in, in future episodes here of Farfetched. At the end of telling me why they couldn't use my four stories, the producer would invariably say, but I really like your ideas, and I want you to come back and pitch again. And I would start working on the next batch of four stories. You know, they limited it to four, so of course I always had four. Uh, I'm not going to show up with just three when I could have had another uh, another chance with a fourth story. So that's how it all worked. And that's what led me to my first sale. I have lots more unsold Star Trek The Next Generation story pitches. And I will start in with those in the next episode of Farfetched. Until then... Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed my stories. If you did, please write a review uh, on on, uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. I'd appreciate that. And be sure to tune in again when I come back with more Star Trek stories. This has been Farfetched. Thanks for listening.